Hey, this is Mike Missanelli, and you're listening to the Feed the Embiid, the number one Sixers podcast in America. Yeah, 2-1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one. Best big in the league, and it's no debate. Booze from the haters, point him to the exit. I guess every franchise needs its process. Every franchise needs its own process. Coming down the lane, yeah, watch your head, yeah. We post a every game, yeah, get your Kodak. Once he gets you under the basket, you better just pray. Hit you with the jab, step, knock down, lock from Ben. Get out the way, and one, let the fans know it. Yeah, homie, let the fans know it. Watch the trailer, the three is going in your eye. If you mess, you better get back. Cause if them bees, there won't be a putback. Keep all that trash out of the paint. Cause them bees will put it back in your face. He's a cold blooded killer, and he take no prisoners. Yeah, dump off from TJ. Call it the feed to him, What's going on, everybody? This is the Feed to Embiid. I am your host, Austin Krell, along with my co-host in his is that is that is that a, an all white pull up you got there like an all white zip up hoodie that you're rocking? Yeah, listen, listen. I'm serving looks everywhere. I go. It's just something like this is a five minute shower hop on the podcast. You haven't seen me. If you've been listening to the Feed and Beat, you haven't seen me. But now you get to see me. This is something light. But yeah, Austin, Nike zip up, uh, got this at Macy's on sale, can't complain. That is hilarious to me. Um, so real quick, wanted to give a, uh, a quick shout out to um, Jason Blevins, uh, one, of our, one of our leaders. Big, uh, big news for him today. He's joining um, 97.3 ESPN to be their, um, their, their, their Sixers insider. He will be obviously remaining with the Painted Lines outside of that. It's just a, a, a new partnership, if you will. And um, it's a great opportunity for us. It's a good opportunity for him. Good opportunity for for, for them. Um, and I know as someone who um, was, you know, uh, w- w- he he was one of the first people who sort of took me under his wing, um, you know, way back when uh, over a year ago. And to have him, you know, have that success and see that fortune. Um, I'm you know, very happy for him. He's a great guy, great mentor, great leader. So big shout to him before we uh, get into yeah. business. 97.3 gets a superstar in Jason. Uh, all of his writing is always really interesting. It's, it's great analysis, but I think more important than the numbers, it's interesting. And in the age of digital media, it's tough to cap- captivate crowds with, with writing. And, and I think Jason does a really good job of doing that. So 97.3, they get a superstar. And I'm glad to be part of TPL. I remember when I joined TPL, as with Austin when we were at the Sixers, right? Yeah. And uh, Austin left for TPL. And I felt lonely. I was down <laughs> bad at the Sixers Sense. Great people there, but yeah, I felt lonely. Uh, so so I, I embarked on a journey in joining TPL. Everybody's been great. And I have no complaints. We're, we're building something special. So this is a big milestone for us here at TPL. For sure. And um, yeah, T- Sixers Sense was, was, was a great opportunity, great, great, great growing point. Um, but I, I think fan side, it kind of limits you and what, you know, what you can do and you can't do. And that sort of wasn't attractive to me. And that's why when I had the opportunity to go back, I was uh, very excited to do so. Um, but let's, let's get into business. Uh, we do have not, I wouldn't call it breaking news per se, because you know, the, the, the guy played 59 games uh, up to this point in his career in the NBA. So, I mean, how can you call that breaking news? But Ryan Brokoff was signed on Friday to a rest-of-season deal to join the Sixers in Orlando. Ryan Brokoff, a, uh, a 6'6", 6'7", shooter, depending on where you where you, where you get your, uh, your information from. But he's a shooting guard. Um, he shot 40%, about 40% across two seasons in the NBA. He played 42 games last season, 17 this season. So limited opportunity with the, with the, with the Mavericks. Um, but I, I, I'm a, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say that I'm excited about it because, you know, how excited can you be? But I, I, I don't think it's as easy for someone like me to just dismiss um, Ryan Brokoff the way that a lot of 
uh, fans and people on, on social media might have already. Um, I, I see him as, um, as I, I see him as a, as a guy who, you know, had opportunity, the, the, the situation in Dallas was a little bit odd because he comes in, he's a 28 year old rookie, kind of a one dimensional player. So there's not a lot to develop there anymore. Um, and you, know, you have guys like Jalen Brunson, you have guys like, um, uh, Luka Doncic, guys like Justin Jackson, who are all vying for playing time at the guard spots, um, all can sort of give you more uh, than, than, than than what Ryan Brokoff can. And on top of that, they were rebuilding. They were trying to sort of figure out what youngsters they had and trying to you know find really really nice pieces at, for uh, for you know and, and on cheap contracts. So that makes sense. It happens all the time. And then this past season, you know, the, 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 they bring in. Um, Kristaps and, and the package, they, they get Tim Hardaway Jr. So that was another guard there that, that, that sort of took away from the opportunity. So Brokaw didn't have a ton of opportunity this year. And when they wanted to bring in uh, Kid Gilchrist to sort of fortify their their their, their front court, um, he was the obvious choice to cut. They owed Courtney, May, Courtney Lee $11 million. They owed Justin Jackson, I think, $5 million or something like that. You were going to cut the guy making five hundred grand. It was an easy pill to swallow. So it makes all the sense in the world. He, you know, it was it was it's unfortunate that that that's sort of the resume that his NBA career has been up to this point. But he is, you know, he, he he's not going to be a super valuable guy per se. But he is somebody who can, who who I think has been sort of been doubted unfairly already. People are just chalking it up to oh he will, he'll sit on the bench the entire time. I think with this ad, it's it's a circumstance ad, and in the circumstance that Philadelphia needs shooting off of the bench, I think this is a perfect addition. Uh, you're not bringing a guy in here that's going to revolutionize the way you play basketball. As you alluded to, Austin, you're bringing in a guy who not only has some mileage in his career, but with Dallas, very limited opportunity. So he's not going to have this abundant role in Philadelphia getting a ton of looks and being used as a primary option. But he definitely adds depth. And Austin, you talked about his three-point shooting over two seasons. The reason it's close to 40% is because of the limited volume. Under 100 three-pointers attempted, or three-pointers attempted, my apologies, in both seasons. But what I do like is that in those two seasons, he made nearly 50% of his jump shots. So there's a difference. Yeah. He's a good shooter. He can move with the basketball in his hands or without it and can get off a shot that way. And like I said, I, I think if he can add occasional three-point shooting, it's good depth to have. In my opinion, with the Sixers bench, I think they have a lot of multi-positional defensive flexibility and on offense that allows them to do certain things. Uh, so a lot of what I think Philadelphia will do off the bench will be determined by matchup. But a guy like Brokoff could fit in well if, let's say, Philadelphia is going with a team like Boston and Boston's running small against the Sixers and I think if Boston runs small against Philadelphia, that's a recipe for success for Philadelphia because Joel Embiid just imposes well. But Austin, let's say Joel Embiid is on the bench and Boston goes small. Well, a player like Ryan Brokoff can perfectly complement Ben Simmons in transition. And if you need to value defense, then Brokoff can play on the bench or can sit in the bench and Furkan Korkmaz can play or a secondary playmaker can play. Uh, so I don't think you lose anything. You're just gaining. Uh, so to me, this is a good little addition for the Sixers. For sure. And I think, um, you know, one thing that we have to keep our, you know, keep mindful of is that he's not going to be JJ Redick where, um, or, or like even Margot Bellinelli, where he's going to be flying around screens and, you know, even, um, you know, he doesn't have the gravity that, that those two had. Um, and, and, and that's going to sort of, affect the ability for him to have value. J.J. Redick and Bellinelli, they, they, they had this, this this gravity and this pull that they could sort of go retrieve the ball under duress in tight spots and just sort of turn around, just like turn and fire and, you know, and, you know, barely be squared, be off balance and hit. Um, and so that was a lot of how they, that was sort of how they, how they had created value for the Sixers because they commanded so much attention. Like Brokoff commands attention, but, you're not going to need like six different guys 
around a screen trying to vote, trying to sort of figure out every possible angle that he could get a shot off at. Um, what what Brokoff is is he's an agile off ball shooter who uses screens really well. He knows how to curl around screens. I, I saw a couple plays for him in Dallas where he, where he would like uh, you know V cut under a uh, under under a screen on, on a pin down and he gets a, gets a wide open look out of it. Uh, plays where, the, where they'll they'll set up like a, a staggered a staggered option and he'll come flying around for a curl and for that one. But really he's just you know he's a traditional shooter. He, you know, he's a spot-up guy. He's like your Steve Novak or like a Jason Capono. And I'm not saying that, mm. he, that he is those guys, but that's sort of the model of shooter that he follows. Right. Whereas JJ and Bellinelli, even Furcon, to some extent, they follow that shooter, that 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 that, that uh, role of, you know, they have gravity. They can really, you know, in space, they can rise up and sort of just fire away from the. I mean, J- JJ had a had a how many four-point plays did we see from JJ in the corner where he's falling away out of bounds and gets hit shooting it and he makes a shot and one um so that you know so you know brokoff needs to uh you know he has to he has to obey the rules of shooting square the hips um be balanced proper shooting mechanics jj bell and ellie could and you know th- those two could get away with without having to do that but he he's more traditional than that now He's there to provide value, right, in, in, in small sprints of time and provide some shot making when other guys are struggling. Um, and you know, that's because when, 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 they, when the Sixers have one guy making shots, it seems to become infectious to an extent. Then if, you know, if everyone's struggling, Furcon makes a couple, then everyone else starts to hit a little bit. It starts to un, sort of unlock their backs. They begin to sort of, um, you know, be, be a little better functioning and then they're and then they're all getting in the rhythm that's what brokov is there to do is to off the bench a couple minutes here and there if he's if it looks there fire it away maybe we can unlock maybe we can unlock something with the offense there i think he can also be this connective tissue where you know you run like little segments of of of, of bigger play sets for him and maybe it gives you a different look maybe it opens up a high low look for joel and al maybe it it gives ben simmons a, a new another you know one less help defender under the basket and he has a new lane there's so many ways that a shooter who's a good shooter consistent shooter can affect the game for, for, for the players around him so even if he isn't providing the stat sheet um you know value there are subtle ways that he does it outside of the statute. I think that's important. And I think, you know, a lot of the fans that they're, you know, I don't want to say that they don't know what they're talking about, but they, but they, they don't know what they're talking about. They, <laughs> you, you want to say it. You, you know, you, 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 you know me, <laughs> you, you know how I am No, I mean, like, First of all, they say they, you hear the name and they don't know who Ryan Brokoff is. So they automatically, they automatically just discount the guy because they don't know the name. Then they don't watch a lot of Mavericks basketball, so they so they don't they they had barely seen the guy. I watch a ton of basketball. I I have league pass. I I, I study shooters. I love shooters. You know I love shooters. Um, mm-hmm. And you know uh, he he's a guy who I think has gorgeous mechanics. Um, the opportunity just wasn't there in Dallas, and so be it. Um, but I think he has an opportunity to really, um, to, to to really be a good piece uh, for this Sixers team. Yeah, the reason why Philadelphia is so unique is because of who plays point guard. And it's Ben Simmons. He's 6'10". And Ben Simmons is probably the best downhill attacking point guard, let alone player, in the NBA. So if you have a player like Ben Simmons that's constantly penetrating and taking his defender deep down towards the basket, then that likely means somebody is playing help defense. And if they're not, Ben Simmons is feasting, which is okay. I like the point you make about Joel Embiid and deep poster potentially me adding Ben Simmons to the scenario. Brokoff is a guy that's catching and shooting. He's not a creator per se. He's not taking defenders off the dribble, but rather the teams that he would play for Dallas when he played teams prior to Dallas were using him around screens and handoff situations. They take him maybe down towards the low block and then he'd kick out to the corner. He's a catch and shooter and catch and shooting is the perfect compliment for a duo like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid for a player like Ben Simmons in transition. So while he may not be the best defender and while his season high point scoring amount was nine points, I don't think he's being brought in to be this guy that's going to be a focal point in the offense. And Austin, you know that just as well as I do. 
he's here for one reason, and that's to catch and shoot, stop on a dime and shoot. What Furkan Korkmaz does, you're exactly right. But the thing is, if Furkan Korkmaz is shooting sub 30%, there's nobody on the bench that's going to fulfill that role. Now Philadelphia adds depth with a player that could potentially fill that role if Furkan Korkmaz isn't hot, if Alec Burks isn't hot. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. I completely agree with you. Um, and, you know, he's not going to come in here. He's not going to average 10 to 12 points per game. He's, he, that's, not, that's not what his job is going to be. But maybe he's a guy who you can who, – who, you know, if he can bring value in this short stretch, maybe you resign him. This team isn't in a position to sort of be picky and choosy with, with their bench pieces and not look at the luxury of trying to find these diamonds – on cheap deals. So if you, so what, what, what exactly, you know, there is no harm in bringing a shooter in who you might, you know, you might be able to get for a million, million and a half next year who can really provide you with some depth, some, some depth as a, as a shooter. And, you know, that, that would be the best thing for them is to find guys who haven't had much opportunity elsewhere, cheap and can be impactful. And you can have an impact in five, 10 minutes per game. You, you, you can. And Ryan Brokoff has proven in his – the only thing he's proven in his career in the NBA is that he doesn't need big playing time to be effective. 40% three-point shooter on like uh, I think like 10 minutes a game for his career or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. 59 games total played. So I think there is value there for sure. Um, now, do you like shotgunning beer? Do you want to increase your shotgun time at parties? Check out my boys at the King Cobra. King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second. Also a tab puller, vent puncher, and all fits on a keychain. For more information about the King Cobra, check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. And Cobra is public with a K. For 10% discount on all products, enter the code TRUSTACOBRA10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. Moving past that, I wanted to talk about the that there are guys now sitting out due to coronavirus. In fact, Spencer Dinwiddie just announced that he was tested positive for the virus while we were really wow. yeah you just just announced it like two seconds ago wow so, yeah um so he has it now um but players sitting out due, due to the virus or you know guys like davis bertans who it, i'm not sure if it was about the virus or it was about not wanting to get injured before a big contract mm-hmm. um or like avery, avery bradley has a kid who had breathing issues i, I get that all the power to him you know, you got, you got to do what you got to do, best for your family. Um, having said that, I kind of think that if your team wins, respectfully, you should be ineligible to receive a ring. And you shouldn't even want a ring, for that matter. I mean, why would you want a ring that you didn't contribute to at all? That's what Matt Barnes said with Golden State. They right? want a ring. He felt like he didn't contribute. He said he doesn't deserve a ring. And I think the situation may be same here for some players, but – my my thing is that whatever the NBA does, there's going to be a risk. There's going to be an oppositional side. So if the NBA doesn't go back, there's the side that says, well, we wanted to play. If the NBA does go back, then we see what's happening right now. There's a big cesspool of players now that say they don't want to play. And I think it's up to their – it's it's their discretion whether they want to play or not. I don't think athletes owe us anything. Sports are a form of entertainment that, that we pay millions of dollars for. Uh, but but we put these athletes on a pedestal and view them as role models and emulate them. But at the end of the day, I don't think they owe us anything as fans. So Fair. I think if an NBA player doesn't want to play, they have every right to sit out. But Austin, I didn't even explore or entertain that idea, but I, I, I might agree with you, actually. I think if a player does not participate – or chooses not to go to Orlando and, and stay in that bubble, then maybe they don't deserve the ring. I, I kind of have to be careful with what I say because this is a situation that that really, like, who knows with, with you, anything. But you could be canceled tomorrow. Who knows? Okay, and, and you know how cancel culture is. Like, I might have said something in 2008 about the Phillies winning the world. I don't know. I, I don't know what I've said that I could get canceled for. I don't think I said anything, but – Cancel culture is the scariest culture in the world. The feds are always watching. The feds are they always are. watching. They are. Um, but but long story short, like 
how are you going to tell a player what they can or can't do? And you just gave three completely different examples. So there's one player that's looking out for the best interest of his family. Are you going to tell him that's a bad idea? It's not. Then there's one player in Davis Bertans who had the best year he's had in his career to date and already two major significant injuries in his career. Why would he travel to Orlando, be quarantined for three months just to maybe, maybe make the playoffs? And then does he think that if he's on the Wizards, they're going to beat the Lakers or the Clippers or the Bucks? He probably doesn't. So why should I risk my well-being and livelihood in the future for this three-month span? And now this Spencer Dinwiddie news is even crazier because he's been such an, such an active voice in, in this entire situation with the NBA and, and going back. It's this crazy news. And, and my dad told me before the broadcast that Lou Williams also said he's 50-50 about playing. Who? Lou Williams? Lou Williams, yeah, on the Clippers. Wow. That would, be, that would be wild. If Lou Williams didn't play, that would be a shocker to me. That's that would, a big, big, that's a big, big loss. Suddenly, big the, the suddenly the Sixers window is opening up. We got to take advantage of it. You know, Jason did make a great point in our group chat the other day. I'm, I'm not sure if you stole the tweet and ran with it, but Jason said, has anybody realized that for a team that was said to have such bad chemistry and, and such a lack of cohesion – the Sixers seem really ready to hit the ground running here with this tournament in Orlando. Either players haven't commented, which may be a good thing, or they're just ready to get back to play. But it, it does seem a little odd that the Sixers have been pretty quiet about this entire situation. I was like, you know what? I, 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 I already, you know, I have some things in the works that, I, that I'm trying to uh, save up for the right time. This isn't, this isn't, I'm not going to steal this clout thunder from anybody else. I'll let somebody else take it. So um, there, there's that. Now, people are saying, like, you know, all, all over Twitter I see um, people talking about how, like, oh, like how many guys have to get tested positive for, you know, the NBA to really care and to shut it down. And it got, you know, so I just started, I started talking to some, of the of the agents that I've gotten connected with over the over the last couple of months, and the common outlier that they told me was that it's not about the number of guys. There's no number threshold there. It's about who the players are testing positive. If 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 Troy Daniels tests positive, they're not going to shut it down. Like like it's Troy Daniels. Now I'm not saying like he doesn't matter. He matters, but it doesn't have the gravity. Of 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 a, uh, and he doesn't you know pull the weight of the same ma- magnitude as, right. as LeBron, right? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't he doesn't pull the gravity of of of, of a matchup like you know like like you would get between a LeBron or and a Kawhi. Um, now if it's LeBron, obviously it's going to be a different story because you know then LeBron misses a series, all this different you know all this different chatter yada yada yada, plus it's clutch, so you know that's a whole different story, but. A lot of the views around the NBA and the sentiments amongst the people who talk to players pretty often in you know front offices is they don't plan on there being a cancellation unless it's a certain player who gets who, who gets it, and then at that point it's like well if he's not playing what's the point? They're, they're, no, one, you know people aren't going to be watching. People are going to watching baseball. Um, so I thought that was sort of like a, an interesting way of looking at it. And I, you know, I thought that was sort of like a, a counterpoint to what a lot of the sentiments that I've seen on Twitter are. Um, I wanted to ask you, what, what do you, do you think that the sports, like sports should return this year? Um, I, I'll start off. I'll give my answer. I absolutely do. But what, what's your take on, on, on the whole do, do sports come back thing? All right. Now off of the top of my head, I want to say no. And, and the reason why I want to say no is because we've quarantined for essentially three months in, in, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at least. We've, we've been quarantined for about three months. Right now in the United States, corona is surging. And people keep saying corona is back. And I've said to everybody, corona never left. You just got distracted. Corona right. has still been. People are just disobeying guidelines. So in my mind, we've quarantined for the previous three months for what? I stayed in my house for two and a half months, all to come out now, and coronavirus is at an all-time high in the United States. Right. Uh, So I have have friends that play college sports, and my friends have talked about, like, their division of sport. If it's in Division Two, there's maybe an 85-kid roster. So not only do you have to look out for – the 85 kids whereabouts, but also the training staff, the coaches, 
the medical staff, and that's in a division Division two roster. If you take an SEC roster, a team like Clemson, Alabama, there's a hundred plus kids on the team, and then the addition of everybody else. So I don't know how you're going to monitor whereabouts. They do have time to figure it out, but just based on on projections and 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 what people that know about this are saying there's going to be a second wave and, and the second wave could be even more severe than the first. And if that second wave hits around right around the time when the NFL resumes, what happens there? So I think to save the headache of quarantining everybody and shutting stuff down and locking people down, I think to prevent all of that, you just don't go back and play. Uh, but, but there are some logistics that, that really can't be ignored if you don't play. So, so salaries in like football and basketball, even baseball, if you don't play, that changes the entire landscape of the league. Yep. So a player like Giannis Antetokounmpo or, or Victor Aladipo, who are expecting max contracts in a year or two, they may have made mistakes not signing extensions already because what is that max going to look like in a new NBA landscape? If, if the NFL takes a season off, contracts have to be renegotiated. People lose a lot of money. TV deals have to get renegotiated. There's a lot of logistics that can't be ignored. And I think for that reason, sports will return. But in my opinion, I don't think that we need sports in the next year. So I I don't think we need sports. I think we've I I, I think we've shown ourselves to some surprise that we can entertain ourselves without sports and like not go completely batshit insane. Um, now I, I I will say this. I think number one. We have zero idea when 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 the virus is going to slow down, because mm-hmm. even if there are no sports, you're still going to have kids who are tired of this quarantine, who want to go out and party on the beach. It's summertime. They're going to inherently naturally get it, spread it. So it doesn't matter what what sports do. It's going to be there, and we can't just live in like this for you know for in, per, in, perpet, in, in perpetuity, um, and, and and you know there's like shut down the entire world, shut down our way of life. I, I, I know it sounds like boomerish and sort of like, like, you know, freedom of speech. Like, you know, I'm not going to wear, wear a mask. By the way, I'm all for wearing a mask. Like if it makes you uncomfortable, I'll wear a mask. I, I don't want to get sick. I don't want you to get sick. Yada, yada. I'm not one of those people, but we don't have a timeline for when this all comes to an end. So when is a better time for sports to come back? There is none. There is, there is no answer to that. So you might as well do it and not alter everything because this is what's going to happen the disparity between the small market franchise and the larger market franchises are going to only get bigger timberwolves twins the vikings the uh the the orlando magics those teams everyone's on the same scale of revenue loss the only difference is the bigger market teams can afford to lose that revenue so when you have small market teams they're going to be shell-shocked if you don't have sports back the, the, the larger market teams are going to be in a, in a world of hurt, but it won't be as, as 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 magnificent as the as the other small market teams. So we're only going to grow a disparity even 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 bigger, where it's like there are no small market teams in the playoffs for the years to come, mm-hmm. and then it's going to be the dominance of, of of the Boston's, the New Yorks. Well, not the New Yorks because they always mess it up, but. Uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> um, like, like the Philadelphia is to some extent. If we can ever figure it out and get it right, the LA's, it's going to only grow the disparity between the markets, and so you need to have sports back. Um, the, the, there won't be enough competitive. Uh, there won't be enough revenue to, to make a, com- a competitive market for the marquee players. Everyone's going to be like, "Oh, well, I'm getting this money, to, you know, in in to go to go to L.A. to go to New York or to go here or there." I'm leaving uh, Oklahoma City. I'm leaving St. Louis. I'm leaving. You, we can't have that in sports. We have mm-hmm. to have pieces all over the map. We can't have it so that way you have these big super teams. It's going to make the the professional landscape so much worse in the long run. And I get it; it's dangerous. It's not safe. It's not worth it. I I, I understand that, but I think we're we for the for the most part, a lot of people are doing the right things to sort of keep themselves safe, keep others safe. Um, and I think 
it's it's important that we keep doing those things while also slowly integrating back into our normal way of life, whether that's having open ballparks and open stadiums so that there's air circulation, not, not as easy to spread it. Um, a bubble city like there is for the NBA. Those are all, I think, pretty good preventative measures to get back on the right track. Um, but I think that not coming back to this season, not just across the NBA, but across all sports, is going to dramatically alter the near future of the programs that we enjoy and that we watch. Um, and I, and, and I, 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 I just think that there's, there are ways to, to prevent the virus from spreading and, you know, really drastically recurring without having to shut down sports again, because we don't have a timeline. It isn't like it's, isn't, it isn't like the microwave saying three months from now, and then the buzzer is going to go off and the doors and the food's going to be ready. We have, no clue. Right. So that, we, we have to bring it back eventually. That's one thing that I really haven't come to terms with yet. I think that I've just become accustomed to thinking that there will be a vaccine and, and this will be eradicated in a certain period of time. But there's also rumblings that a vaccine may never be found or, or the strain might keep mutating and, and there will be always different strains. And this is just going to be prevalent in our society. But you just have to maneuver around it. There might be medications that can help you. But I think that's that's significant that there really is no timeline. So Austin, um, you know me, I'm open minded. So my opinion is always changing and you kind of just change mine there. I can also see why you're a financial advisor too. a little money talk helped me out in changing my opinion. So I, I don't necessarily think that we need sports, but maybe coming back now uh, would not be the worst thing, provided that the proper protocols were in place and, and precaution was taken. Uh, precaution was taken. The one thing I will say, though, is I think the NBA, honestly, I think something drastic might happen with the NBA with regards to this upcoming season. I think, what was I, it? It was it was like 16 of, of 302 players tested positive. Yeah, but that and that falls in line with like the natural progression of like, I, I forget what the exact words used were. I don't want to like, like be negligent with that because then, you know, I look like a jackass. But it was something like that matches the the the, the, the regular full scale rate of, of of the virus spreading or like what people are getting. I forget exactly what was used, but the point was that it wasn't like so dramatically off from the rest of the population. That that was okay. the crux of the point that I'm making. Okay, um, go ahead. So what I was thinking was if you've keep you keep have players say they maybe don't want to play or a few more players of significance test positive, I think the NBA might have an invitational where they take maybe the top seven seeds and they invite certain teams to come and participate and maybe decrease the amount of the season or, or something like that. But it seems like they have a plan in place and, and they're sticking to the plan regardless of who tests positive now. But I, honestly, it, it's just something that you can't really predict because I've never, and, and you've never seen anything like this. I mean, you've got some players like Rudy Gobert who tested positive months ago that still have coronavirus symptoms, inflammation in his lungs, and apparently trouble breathing. Uh, and then you've got players like Malcolm Brogdon, who tested positive, I believe, two weeks ago and says he intends to return and play with his team come Orlando resume. So I think if the NBA does change something drastically in the next few weeks, it may be that they go to an invitational format. Um, but I, I do think, regardless of how I feel, sports will be back this year. Well, yeah, so the thing about Gobert is like you – like he was supposed to be in quarantine, but no one really knows what he was doing. Mm-hmm. But it also could be that 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 that, that you're right. The vi- everybody is re- is different. Everybody reacts differently to, to illnesses. Our chemical you know composition of our of our inner beings is is different. It's what makes us different. That's part of what makes us makes everybody different. Um, uh, and you know it. Maybe maybe this is a new way of life that we're just going to have to adapt to. Maybe there'll never be a vaccine. Who knows? But we can't just we we can't just halt everything that has been around for decades and decades, you know, without 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 with with, with there being no end sight around. And so that's why I think you have to get back to it. And I think that there are safe measures doing it. Now the, the invitational tournament that you brought up is an interesting point. One thing that I kind of tossed around in my head was like, what if you take the teams that are are automatically out of the playoffs, the eight teams, and you make and you 
put them in like an NIT tournament sort of thing where it's like you know not like not invited or the national invitation tournament. And yeah, team that wins the title of that gets the number one overall pick. Oh wow, yeah, that that could be big. That could be big. Everyone's gonna try to win. So what would you you would I guess you'd well so what is it just the seating would determine the picks? So the or, current, or then would you take two the re, the so, remainder of those teams would be in a lottery. So the so the, the so yeah so the the way that it goes the way that it would go would be like the seating determines the picks. So whoever comes in whoever loses like the championship would get the second pick, and then the third or the fourth pick. And that, but I think that's a way you could keep that competitive flair. And you can put them out of like a different sites so that way they're not even in contact with, with with the rest of the league, but that's a way that going forward you could actually modify the NBA and keep things competitive. You could have a tournament inviting the latter, um, you know, the, the latter uh, fourteen teams that are not in the playoffs, the, and 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 you, and you can make them fight over that pick. Now, obviously, the team that's the least. Like you know, is the farthest out of the lottery is going to be the team with the best, and therefore most likely to win it. But everyone's going to be competitive, and that's the main point. I like that. The only problem is, is like, all right, let's take a team like Golden State for example. Well, first off, if Steph Curry plays that, like that's that's one thing you do have to keep in mind with these with these low tier teams. If they do have a player returning from injury, then what happens in, in that type of situation? I'm just being negative. The one point I wanted to make uh, about that proposition was that if you have a team that's maybe the last seed in the NBA right now in the Western Conference, now playing for the one seed, there's probably players on that team that are on one-year contracts or they'll be gone after the remainder of this season. It, they don't why, care. Yeah. Why, yeah why, why should they care to yeah. play for the first overall pick if they're not even going to be rostered by that team in, in a season? That's a good point. That's a good point. That's that's my only counterpoint, but honestly, I think that makes more sense than just having teams randomly play and having the play in, and then bringing like twelve from the west, eight from the east. I think that could make more sense. It, it would maybe give a little more incentive, um, but I, I think if players aren't going to want to play with teams that are in the playoffs now, they definitely want to want to do that for sure. Now I wanted to move on to one last thing: the Sixers. You know, the, the schedule is, is out. Um, for the Sixers, they're going to play Indiana August first, seven o'clock. Nothing like some late summer Sixers. Um, then they're going to play the Spurs the third, Washington the fifth, Orlando the seventh, Portland the ninth, eleven Phoenix. Then the back they have a back to back then with Toronto, and they finish up with Houston. Um, <laughs> Chris Dyler just commented. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that <laughs> um, they, they they have just one back to back on their schedule, and despite their road ro- their road struggles this season, they open as three and a half point favorites against Indiana, which I thought was a shocker. That that was I couldn't believe that. Um, now I think that game is the most important game on their schedule because they're down two to one in the season series. They um, that you know that they're they're tied currently for the fifth spot. If they tie that season series and they come out on top, that changes who they play the first round of the playoffs. Um, so that's a very important game for them. Um, now, you know, I think everyone's relative. Um, some people want to play Miami. Some people want to play Boston. I would rather not lose to either of those fan bases and have to deal with that, deal with, deal with that, uh, with that stuff. But I, 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 it's kind of like a pick your poison. Like I'd, ra- I'd rather not lose to either. But what we, you got to, you got to do. Um, I think they go five and three. Okay. They, they win against Indiana, Washington, Orlando, Portland, Phoenix. They lose to the Spurs, the Raptors, and the Rockets. I said seven and one. Wow. I said seven. Wow. And one. But I, I'm, I'm always hoping the Sixers overachieve. So I think seven and one might be a little too generous, but I think their only loss comes against Toronto. I think Indiana, with their roster right now, uh, Victor Aladipo potentially not playing, Malcolm Brogdon um, still with coronavirus. I I don't know what the Indiana roster will look like. What I do know is they do have floor spacers and they do run the PNR well, but Philadelphia has so much size and and they have such an advantage with size. 
then I think Indiana won't be as much as a problem as people actually perceive. San Antonio, I don't think is much of a game for Philadelphia. Washington and Orlando as well. Trailblazers, that's another team like Indiana where I don't know what their roster is going to look like. Damian Lillard, I, I don't know if he's playing or not. Carmelo Anthony, I don't know if he's playing or not. Trevor Ariza isn't playing. So I don't know what Portland's roster is going to look like. And, and I think because Philadelphia has been so quiet, I think they're going to come out with a lot of chemistry and, and a lot of cohesion. I, I don't think Phoenix is much of a game for Philadelphia, but I think their last two are going to get interesting. Uh, by default, I want to say Philadelphia beats Houston because they have Joel Embiid, and who does Houston have that can guard Joel Embiid? Uh, whereas Ben Simmons can both score and defend on James Harden and Russell Westbrook, the two of them, A, can't defend Ben Simmons, and B, get clamped by Ben Simmons. So I, I think Philadelphia has a side advantage in most of these matchups, um, but Toronto is is the one loss where I say uh, Philadelphia has a bump in the road. So if that's if that's the final two games heading into the playoffs, it probably won't mean much for their seeding. Uh, but I'm going to say seven and one, seven and one, and hope I'm right. Wow! So you think that they get the five seed then? Or is, yeah. is that going to be yeah? Okay, okay. And then they're playing the Heat. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that that might not necessarily be the best thing. I want Boston in the first round. I, I want Boston. By the, the way, by the way, Brock explains why Boston is the best matchup in the videos that he's been doing a fabulous job. They're on YouTube. He's going to be a YouTube sensation someday. We're going to call him Hollywood Landis. Hopefully. And, uh, <laughs> and it, you know, he'll, he'll be a big star. But bro, go ahead, Brock, proceed. I appreciate the shout out, but yeah, if, if you want to hear me, if you want to hear me ramble about why the Celtics is the best matcher for Philadelphia, then check it out in the YouTube video. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tease anybody right now. You got to go watch it. That's the reward you get from watching it. You get to learn a little more. Um, but this is completely unrelated, Austin. C- completely unrelated to playoff talks. It's more so a question I'm just proposing. But I saw this on Twitter and I got to thinking a lot about the Eastern Conference. If you take Ben Simmons and switch him with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Here we go. Are Here the Bucks go. the best team in the East? I don't think they're the best team in the East, but I think they're a top three team at that. I don't think there's much of a drop-off if you switch the two of them. Well, So here's why I think there's a massive drop-off. The Bucks still wouldn't have Joel Embiid. So, so wait, wait, wait. So you're teaming up. From what I just heard you say, you're teaming up. Giannis and Joel. Right, yeah. Okay, but but let's say the Sixers don't exist, really. <laughs> and you just switch Giannis and Simmons. How good are the Bucs? Uh, I mean, do you, are the Bucs equally as good? Are they close to as good? Is there a big drop-off? I think they're close to as good. And, and I think that's because what, what Milwaukee did was surround Giannis with everything he needs. Spot-up shooters, catching shooters, moving shooters, an occasional secondary playmaker – But here's where I think the fall-off happens. Giannis doesn't defend core players as much as Simmons. Giannis doesn't defend primary creators as much as Simmons. Giannis is more so a rim protector. He's in the middle of the paint. He can fall back, keep his back to the basket. He is a rim protector. Brooke Lopez isn't necessarily a a face-up five. Um, So I, I think if they make that switch to Ben Simmons, then they lose a lot defensively. But, I mean, Ben Simmons assisted the most three-pointers in the NBA this season. And that was on Philadelphia with Al Horford and Tobias Harris and Furkan Korkmaz. If you give Simmons, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, maybe Dante DiVincenzo, I think the Bucs are still as good offensively. But I think defensively, there's there's a big drop-off. Are you saying that Chris Middleton is better than Tobias Harris? Is that what I'm hearing? Don't even get me started, bro. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't want to have that debate today. Don't don't make me do that today. Oh, I my a, God. I had a conversation with my friends yesterday about, like, Tobias, Chris Middleton, CJ McCollum. I don't know. I honestly I don't, I don't get it. any of them. I, I, I think they're all tier – honestly, I think they're all equally tier two players. And depending on the stat you use, you can manipulate it however way you want. If I told you Chris Middleton's true shooting percentage was higher than Tobias Harris, you'd flip me off and say, nice, man, I don't care. But some fan would say, okay, Chris Middleton's better than him because he has a high true, higher true shooting percentage. It's, it's 
I think you can manipulate it anyway, but to me, they're all tier two players. If Tobias Harris is on the clip, is on the, the Bucks, he's an all star this year and probably last year too. Chris Middleton's all star appearances are solely based on the existence of Giannis Antetokounmpo. You can't have one all star on the one seed that and that's as 48 and two. You, you, you can't do that. They've never done that. I agree, but. Chris Middleton was wet like water from anywhere in the floor. Oh, like he, my God. He was one of the best shooters league-wide from 5 feet out, 10 feet, 15 Whoa, feet. Whoa, 5 feet out. <laughs> on the floor. Anywhere on the floor, he was one of the league leaders in, in jump shooting percentages, making a, an unreal amount of jump shots in certain areas for a long amount of time. I love Tobias Harris. I, I think he could be utilized differently, too. I think he can be used more as a pick-and-roll ball handler. He's a secondary playmaker. He's a shooter. I love Tobias. But at, at the same time, I understand why fans get frustrated with a guy that might drop 24 points and you can't recall any of them. It's like his 24 points, of course, 24 points was a huge contribution and a huge addition to the win. But I can understand why a fan might say Tobias Harris isn't elite or, or he isn't an all-star if the guy drops 22 points and you don't know when the points came or in what quarter. I am so, so tired of the Tobias Harris slander. I think it's preposterous. I, it, like, there's so, there are a couple of ways that you can tell me that you just don't understand the game of basketball or you don't watch it. And that's my saying that Tobias Harris is like this like ridiculously like, like overmatched, overplayed player. Like I got news for half or for pretty much everybody. He got paid what his market value was. That's what he was going to get on the open market. It might as well be the team that traded everything to get him. So what are we talking about? I, I, wow. I, what happened? What, what's going on over <laughs> here? Oh, I was I was pull, I was pulling up a game log for Tobias Harris, and then ESPN started going off. But let, let let's count the number of games of over twenty points Tobias has this year. Um, let's see, ten. We got. Uh, 15, 16, 17, 18. Nine. He has over – I'm not even going to count the rest because there's over like 40 of them. He has played every game for the team this season. He is averaging 19.4 points and 6.8 rebounds on a um, – let's see. What, what is his true shooting percentage? What is Tobias Harris shooting from the field? This is what happens when you don't – Come prepared to talk about Tobias Harris like me. You end up having to look up stats mid podcast. He From had a two, he had a, he had a, he had a two, two shooting of fifty five point seven and above average. So he's an above average two true shoot percentage guy on a on almost a career, career best points per game on availability of a hundred percent and averages six point eight rebounds and. It's the best defense of his entire career. What more do you want from the guy? Here's where I think a lot of the 76ers uh, hysteria comes from with fans, right? They see 40% from deep in 2017 with Detroit, 41% from distance in 2017 with the Clippers, altogether that year over 42%. And then in 2018 with the Clippers, almost 44% from beyond the arc. He comes to Philadelphia, his first stint here, which was 27 games, 33% shooter from deep. This season, 36.2%. So fans naturally think there is a regression, but the problem is they don't look at what's behind that. There's totals. that I think percentages are flawed. My thing with Tobias Harris is can he win you a game when it matters alone? And that's what differentiates a Tier 1 player from a Tier 2 player with me. I think Tobias is capable of doing that. He has not- done it. Exactly. Uh, namely against Brooklyn times this season. I, I think even against Detroit was w- was one of his better games this year. Yeah, he had like 20 points in like the third quarter or something. Yeah. So w- with Tobias, he was most definitely worth the money he got. A. B, I don't think Tobias and Jimmy Butler had any sort of correlation. I, I think the signing of Tobias Harris had nothing to do no. with Jimmy Butler. I-, I think, of course, it's mutual – 
But uh, I don't think the two of them really had anything to do with each other in that free agency. Well, other than Tobias Harris is a better player than Jimmy Butler, but that's just that's he's, a- <laughs> I, I, he's he's more important to this team than Jimmy Butler would have. He, he would he's a he's a Jimmy better Butler. We would have been going ballistic right now because Jimmy Butler shot twenty four percent from three this year. You 24%. might be right. Four percent. You, you might be, be right. He'd be fighting with Ben Simmons and Brett Brown. It would have been a disaster. And you know, I I will say this. I have missed Jimmy Butler. Thank you. I I, I uh, not even that much though. Like, Jimmy I, I, Butler, no, you you miss Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is the girl that you let go. That's that's what Jimmy Butler is. That's I didn't let her go. She of chose to leave. You you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. You and me aren't in position to to, to let girls go right now. Well, how, uh, well, well, well my, my hair looks pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, I'm kidding. But real quick, I just see this comment from Alex Smith about a couple of players on the Sixers playing for Australia. But I hope damn well that their head coach for Australia isn't the head coach of the Sixers anymore past this season. Uh, but that's to be determined. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, that's another great point, though. That's another great point. Everyone loves to blame Brett Brown for basically everything that's ever happened in this country. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, it's not Brett Brown's fault, possibly, that Tobias Harris has fallen off since being traded to, to the Sixers from the Clippers. Well, a thing that I observed was he was used as a pick-and-roll player with the right. Clippers and in Detroit. Right. How many times have you seen that in Philadelphia? So is it Tobias Harris or is it Brett Brown? <laughs> they blame him for everything else, but Tobias Harris is at fault for his own flaws. I think you gave me an idea for a new YouTube video, though. Should I, I can prove anything right. Should I prove Tobias Harris is a star? Should I do that? I will retweet that to oblivion if you prove I'll that. I'll do it. I'll, I'll have that out next week. There we go. Well, he is Brock Landis. Landis Brock on Twitter. He looks like he's about to be uh, be committing to Michigan State with that hair with that that that, that hairdo <laughs> and the zip up he's got going here. Just 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 give us your commitment video right now, Brock. We're we're ready to go. All right, listen. I don't know if you know me. I don't know if this is your first time meeting me, but it sure as hell won't be the last because this is a pretty face and a pretty voice. <laughs> uh, so if you're not following me on Twitter, do that at Landis Brock. If you're not following me on YouTube, go subscribe. Brock Landis. I'm posting basketball content there. And listen, this dude can talk everything he wants about my hair and, and this and that. Yeah, no, let me stop, Austin. I can't. I feel I'm not, I'm not gonna end, end the podcast, man. Before before your feelings. All right, I'm Austin Carell, Carell TPL on Twitter. He is Brock Landis, Landis Brock. As always, thank you for listening to the Feed to and We're now live streaming from Streamyard at the website. Uh, we'll be st- live streaming from Facebook and YouTube. Um, you can always follow the links and we'll send us messages during the show. We'll be, we'll be happy to answer uh, the cu- questions or comments or as long as they're appropriate, as long as they don't make fun of Brock's hair, um, we'll, we'll, we'll be here to, to interact with you. As always, thank you for listening to the Feed to Embiid. I am Austin Krell. He's Brock Landis. Uh, stay, t- take care, everybody. Have a, have a great week, and we will catch you next week for a new episode of the Feed to Embiid. The Feed to Embiid and its name are protected by U.S. copyright laws. Reproduction and distribution without my written permission is prohibited. Copyright the Feed to Embiid 2020.